to be honest with you, what I really like about this post is it takes a lot of the ideas that I've been watching and reading from many different sources and just aggregates it in one massive post. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? All right. So I did some research on our most popular podcast episodes. And what's interesting is the ones where I bring on Jonathan and we do a summary of our favorite blog posts are actually like some of the top ones. So Jonathan had a blog post he's been wanting us to do for a while, which I just read for the first time and it kind of blew me away. So We'll be hitting on that today, but Jonathan, welcome back to the pod. Yeah, thank you for having me on again, Jim. I'm excited to go through this again. This is definitely one of my favorite pieces, as, as you know. I come back to this like several times a year. I feel it's like uh, it's been a classic since it was published in 2017, so glad to go over it. Yeah. Yeah, so with Iconic Reads, this is where we pull some of our favorite blog posts and just talk about why we like it. And so the one today is called How to Be Successful by Sam Altman. And Jonathan, do you want to give background on who Sam Altman is? Yeah, so Sam Altman was the previous CEO of Y Combinator, which I'm sure some of the readers or I should say uh, listeners are familiar with as one of the, if not the biggest incubators and accelerators for early stage startups in Silicon Valley. And he used to be a former founder. He was a a founder before, I think, that venture, which was not successful or maybe had a minor successful exit. He stopped doing that work and uh, decided to join Paul Graham and essentially begin leading the efforts at Y Combinator, took over as CEO and has been since until Michael Seibel took over, I think about a year ago or something like that. So very popular guy, well-known, has a lot of connections and his, his thinking is pretty crisp, well-thought-out guy. So I think, yeah, we'll definitely hit on a lot of his points today. Insane track record. And he's gotten the reps in where he's been exposed to some of the most innovative companies and impressive founders, which kind of leads to this blog post because I'll even read the the intro to it. So it's, I've observed thousands of founders and thought a lot about what it takes to make a huge amount of money or to create something important. Usually people start off wanting the former and end up wanting the latter. Here are 13 thoughts about how to achieve such outlier success. Everything here is easier to do once you've already reached the baseline degree of success through privilege or effort and want to put in the work to turn that into outlier success. But much of it applies to anyone. And so what is interesting is he mentions it two times is like how to get outlier success. So above the norm, above the average. And if anybody can speak to it, it it's somebody that's working with a lot of venture back companies. So we kind of go about the iconic reads a few different ways. What are your main takeaways? What are the best quotes? What we agree with, what we don't agree with, why this is iconic and who should read this and when. So First off, what are your main takeaways from this, Jonathan? Oh, man, there are a lot. To be honest with you, what I really like about this post is it takes a lot of the ideas that I've, I've been you know, watching and reading from many different sources and just aggregates it in one, in one just massive post. So just the power of compounding and really spending the time to find the right opportunity vehicle, because 
I think we're all like thinking in terms of how hard we need to work to achieve our goals, but this is more around finding the right, like making sure that the ladder is leaning against the right wall before you really invest any time and effort into picking into, you know, committing yourselves and putting in effort. He said he would spend a lot of time between projects because he wanted to make sure that when the right project was selected, it had the opportunity to get him to where he wanted to. So uh, just that whole framing around being patient, finding the right opportunity vehicles, and also just creating scenarios where worst case scenario, you lose one X, but in your best scenario, it's a hundred X outcomes. And those are the kind of Essentially, that's his mentality. And I think that's the mentality for pretty much all entrepreneurs that he surrounds himself with. And then just focusing on being in the 99th percentile. And this could come in many ways, right? You can build relationships your entire career and become the one person who's connected, has the largest network. But it also comes from, if you remember Scott Adams' idea, the guy behind like being so good, you can't be ignored. That comes from a collection of unique skills that literally no one else in the marketplace has. So if you're just an artist, Anyway, that's that's a commodity. But if you're an artist that also understands office humor, you become Scott Adams and the the creator of Dilbert. So these are the like the main ideas, uh, and then also just being an independent thinker. Because I think to have that kind of outside success, like a hundred x success, you need to like be a contrarian to some extent. Because if you think exactly like everyone in the world, like your ideas are likely going to be competed away, or at least the the profits in those ideas. So you have to have a unique angle in many ways. So I think. Those are definitely the big takeaways and the exciting part of the uh, the blog as a whole. Yeah, that last one you hit on was my big takeaway is you need to be an independent thinker. And this is something that has actually been a little hard for me. You know, I'm someone, I was a finance major. I went into investment banking because that's what you're supposed to try and do. And so that's what I worked towards. And then I was in investment banking. I was like, wait a minute. I don't think this is what I want to do. I'm just doing it because that's the natural path and and finance. And it took me a while to figure that out. And I wish I would have done that earlier. Even you, I mean, you were pre-med, you were going to go down that path and then kind of chartered your own. And this this post gives almost like a formula for how to think about that. So for me, that's kind of, if I had to simplify it to one, it it would be that. Um, Okay. So Best quote. The the problem with this category, with this blog post, I, I got to like the, the second one. I was like, I've already pulled out like eight quotes. It's so epic. So we'll, we'll go back and forth, but I'll let you start. What What's one of the top quotes that's stuck out for you? Yeah. And actually it's a quote in, in the, the post itself is, I will fail many times and I'll only really be right once. And I think this is a, this is a mentality I've actually had. I don't know where it came from. It's like there's some things in life where you just need to score once to win. And it doesn't matter what your fail rate is because the downside is low, but that one win will justify all the failure in the past. Think about it like the way like people date, right? You might go on nine terrible dates and then on the 10th one, you get your wife and pretty much you're set for life. So you score once to win in that scenario. And there are a few things like that and entrepreneurship is definitely one. So that definitely stands out to me. Uh, the other one is uh, heads I win, tails I don't lose much. And that's just the idea of kind of like being in those scenarios where if you lose, it's 1x. But if you win, it's it's 100x and trying to create scenarios around those. But those are the two that definitely stand out to me, I think, uh, as I was reading this post. I love this section on compounding. And he had a quote where... Um, I always want to be on a project that, if successful, will make the rest of my career look like a footnote. 
And that's amazing. He would give the example to Elon Musk. Like he could have just done PayPal and he'd, he'd be the PayPal guy. That'd be amazing. But then that wasn't enough. He took on other projects where people probably don't even know, like younger people don't even know that he was a part of that, right? With what he's doing with SpaceX and Tesla. Obviously that's an extreme example. But even as we're like working on the startup studio, like working on something that if it works, like, oh yeah, they, they, they also have an agency. That one definitely kind of got me. Another one, because it was in the sales category, because I've seen some of the most impressive people I've worked with do this. There's this quote where all great careers, to some degree, become sales jobs. You have to evangelize your plans to customers, prospective employees, the press, investors. And even now, like as we run this agency, I'm a sales guy. I'm, I do all the sales for the business. I have to sell people to come work with us. And it's something in school, I was like, oh, sales, I don't want to do that. I thought it's like cold calling, smiling and dialing, right? And another person who's actually been on the podcast, Charles Mislinski, he was at Ojo, ran product there, or he runs product at Ojo. Before that, he was at Jet, a head of product that sold to Walmart. And he gave me some advice early on. He was a, C, a, a developer, an engineer, and he was doing really well, but he had the the foresight to stop that and ask his boss if he could go work in sales. Most people are like, why would you do that? You're going on this track to be like a CTO. He's like, no, I need to see everything with the business. So he got into sales, did that like for four to five years. And that gave him a superpower that allowed him to do a lot of things that maybe some technical people couldn't do. And it's something that sales has a bad rap, but if if you're going to be running a business, it's, it's going to be part of it. So, so that one definitely stood out. Yeah. And let me give actually some bit more context on the one that I've picked as well here, which is Sam obviously um, like claims that being in the 99th percentile is very important to achieving, you know, these results we're talking about. And that obviously comes with like to get those extreme results, you need to be an extreme person. And his uh, prescription for avoiding the burnout that usually comes with something like that is to, and this is the quote, to find work you like doing with people and to like to find doing work you enjoy with people you enjoy doing it with, essentially. That I like this is something that I've experienced in my life as well that I can definitely speak to. It's like when you're doing work that you enjoy, you're surrounded people that you enjoy, I think that allows you to work much harder without that feeling of burnout and you know that just that anxiety that comes over you when, when you think about works. I've got two more that I'll, I'll hit on that really stood out. One was in the section about being bold. He says, I believe it's easier to do a hard startup than an easy startup. People want to be part of something exciting and feel that their work matters. I totally agree with this. Whether you're putting your time towards building a, a rocket startup or you're trying to like launch a, a pizza shop around the corner, you're going to be putting in the same amount of hours, but what's the potential return on that? And it, it absolutely makes sense. If you want to get the, the best talent, they're going to want to work on that big, bold thing if, if they're truly great talent. And so the more you're bolder, the more you're kind of swinging for the fences, it's, it's funny how that, that actually is a little bit easier. And so it's something I always try and think about as we're working on ideas, but it, um, hearing him articulate it was really good. And then the, the last one I had was around his point of the, the value of building a network. He said, one of the best ways to build a network is to develop a reputation for really taking care of the people who work with you. Be, be overly generous with sharing the upside. It will come back to you 10x. I totally agree with that because you can have the short-sighted approach where you just want to hoard all the pieces of the pie to yourself and just 
be, be a fat cat sitting back. But if, but if you're playing the long game, you can't do this alone. You've got to have the right people. And if you're in their shoes, what would you want? So if, if you can reward generously, it, it will pay off. And it's something that, you know, I'm thinking about as we're trying to get the best talent is like, what's the most amount we can give up to, to get the right people? Cause we, we want to play the long game here. Yeah, you definitely stole one of uh, the ones that I really wanted to hit on, which is it's easier to do a hard startup than an easier startup. Very counterintuitive, but really powerful. I think um, talent goes uh, to, to, to solve and work on the biggest problems. And for some reason, I think uh, our mindset says like the easier path or like the easier startup is, is less work and is more doable. It has higher chance of success and that's completely wrong. And it's something that I've like is definitely counterintuitive to me. I had to learn the hard way. Also, another one that I wanted to hit on is just the internal, the idea, actually, it's, it's a quote, but it's also an idea. It's like the internal scorecard and being internally driven. This goes back to the story you shared earlier, Jim, of being on Wall Street and then my path going through pre-med as well. It's even though our intentions were good, we were definitely externally driven in those scenarios. We were trying to impress people, trying to walk the path that's already been paved, and it's definitely not satisfying. So I think uh, Sam W hit that part. It's so funny. Like I remember it was like Thanksgiving. I was with my family in Memphis. I had been in investment banking for two and a half years, and I, I got a promotion, a whopping promotion from like analyst to like junior, senior analyst, like something that no one would even know. I remember like we're at the dinner table. My mom's like, guys, big news. Jim got a promotion. I probably got like an extra two grand a year or something, but it, it, it was all just cause I cared about what other people thought, you know? And it's funny. I feel like people applaud, you know, more when people get new jobs or careers, but you don't see as much applauding going on when people take the risk and start something. Yeah, that's definitely the same case here as well. I definitely have a lot of stories around that, but I agree 100%. Yeah, how's your family feel about you not, not being a doctor right now and being on a podcast with, with me? They're very disappointed, to be totally honest, Jim, but I think uh, I've made up for it in other ways. That's the best part. Awesome. We'll, we'll have the family intervention episode next week, so that'll be a fun one. <laughs> okay, so what do you agree with on this one? So I'll start because I'm hoping to steal your thunder here. One of the biggest things here is to build wealth, get rich, you need to own things. It's not about getting a bigger salary or, or getting these bonuses. You need to have true equity in, in things. And that's something that if you look at the, the Forbes list, it's not people with the highest salaries. It's people that, that are owners of, of, of companies. And it's something that as we look at our goals, that, that's, that's a big part of it. But I, I could not agree more with that as he called that out. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me, if anything, just validating what I've already kind of concluded as well, is the whole idea of finding the right opportunity vehicle. I think uh, there was another podcast where we were discussing, Jim, the um, story of Alex Ramosi and how this guy um, in his 20s used to be a gym owner. And that was his opportunity vehicle, essentially owning a gym. And I think it was uh, Russell Brunson of ClickFunnels gave him advice that that's actually not the right opportunity vehicle for someone of his talent. And it was to teach other gym owners how to launch and run and scale and you know properly operate their gyms. And that business is completely blown up. It has leverage. And that's the right opportunity vehicle. So just spending time figuring out the right opportunity vehicles, even though even if they're harder, uh, I think definitely justifies it. And it's the payout definitely is 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 with those, not the the 
the tempting smaller opportunities that will actually be just as much effort as the the harder opportunity vehicle. So yeah. I know it's like, are you playing the right game? Right. It's like, you have the skills where you're playing the right game. Like sometimes I feel like you're like LeBron James that's been given a lacrosse stick. It's like, wait, why am I in an agency? Shouldn't I be running something else? Okay. What do you disagree on this? I actually have two. So I'll let you start. Yeah. So the big one for me is I think the whole building a network, I definitely understand the value of building a network of being a force of nature is I think how he describes some of these founders that he has seen have like the outliers, but I also feel like there's a, a narrative bias here. So like these people may have acquired some of those skill sets after they become successful, after they validated their ideas and they become the it thing. But before that, I feel like there are definitely many examples, a few that I've like definitely also read about who were very introverted, maybe didn't have a net, I'm sorry, a large network, but definitely had the talent and were in their 99th percentile and leveraged that to then become um, the, the, what you call it, the big success. He leveraged that to build the network later on after the ball was moving. But I don't think building a network is a prerequisite uh, to achieve success is what I'm trying to say, essentially. Yeah, I agree. Maybe it's for like your, your second and third level of success. Yeah, my, mine's kind of around that as well. Like there's a quote, which we actually talked about that we like, because I do like it, that it's easier to do a hard startup than an easy startup. Mm. It's not that I disagree with that, but if you're just starting out, I get nervous about swinging for the fences and going big because just looking at my own journey, maybe I'm slow. Like I know so much more about running a business, building a team, building culture, thinking through scaling and growth than I did four years ago. And I would hate it if I like had launched my great thing first without having that knowledge. And so this kind of contradicts what we really agree with, which is the ladders of wealth creation of like going through the stair-step approach to building wealth, as opposed to just going for that big thing out of the gate. So I don't know if it's that I disagree with the comment more than it's an asterisk on how I would approach going after that advice. Yeah, that one's a tricky one. I, I totally see the angle. But to be honest with you, Jim, this one was, was very, very difficult for me to find things that I disagree with. I really check generally the entire flow of this blog. So it's, it, it matches my worldview as well. So I think that's really the only one that I disagree with is what I mentioned earlier. One, this is more of my insecurity coming out, but he has a quote that talks about, I try to always ask myself when I meet someone new, is this person a force of nature? It's a pretty basic heuristic for finding people who are likely to accomplish great things. And I'm like, well, crap, I'm not a force of nature. My wife and I have a joke about how we're both not really forces of nature. Yeah. Because there are instances you meet somebody, they just like burst into a room like a bull in a china shop. You're like, wow, if that person were stuck, I would buy them. But there's other times that person burst in and you're like, I don't vibe with them. My personality type doesn't do too well with some of those like true alphas. And as I look at some of like the successful people I admire, like maybe some are forces of nature. Others, it's more of like the stoic, quiet, strong, silent type. And so I don't know. Um, that was more of my own insecurities coming out, poking a hole at that one. But I, I thought that was a, a pretty interesting one. But I think if you're in Sam Altman's shoes and you're seeing all these founders walk in front of you, you, you start to see some common traits. And I think those people that are trying to be outliers probably do need to be in that category of a force of nature. Yeah. And I, and I think he could maybe talking about being a force of nature in, other, in many ways. It's not just like a, a very bold, outgoing personality like that. It's very in your face. 
could also just be like how they handle themselves in the workplace and you know, the confidence that they have. So maybe that, you know, you could potentially clarify that a bit more, but I see your angle for sure as well, Jim. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. All right. Why is this blog post iconic? I'll go first because the answer is yeah. very, very simple. It's super simple. It's a list. Everybody loves list, right? Great title. It's a list. He has odd numbers. It's 13 and it's it's a really good list. So BuzzFeed would approve. Yeah, I actually just noticed that he added a uh, bit of social proof to this. This post has been seen 949,107 times. So there's a ton of social proof on this. Everyone has seen it, read it, been shared. And this is just in three years, by the way, keep in mind. We're in an age where almost no one reads blog posts as well. Keep that in mind. So I think what makes this special and iconic is it just, it summarizes a lot of things that I think all of us have have read, have seen in, in, in our experiences. And it's really the one post if, if I was to recommend, you know, like, something to my younger self or even someone else who's maybe will come to this, it's just going to be a follow-up question in, in just a moment. But this is something I would definitely recommend to my younger self. It's just a very concise summary of, of everything, the main points that I've read and learned from other people, other greats. Yeah. Which leads to the last question, who should read this and when? So for me, it's, 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 it's a young Jim Huffman who thinks that hmm. you, with this finance degree, all you can do is go work and and investment banking, because that's what everybody else does. And that'll look good when you have to like talk about it to, to your family. I'd, I'd want to slap this blog post in, in front of them. We'd have to print it out, obviously, because it's on the internet. Yeah, Print it out, put it in front of them, and, and read that, and, and try and take more of a long-term perspective on like the career decisions that are made. So I would say two people come to mind immediately, and hopefully I can remember both. The first one is, imagine if someone who has... A decent career, something like has achieved success by normal society standards, but has left, has allowed lifestyle to creep up on them. And they've removed their ability to take risks. Those 100x outcomes, like the heads I win big, tails I don't lose scenario, they're no longer in that because they have something to lose now. And I think they would be the, the people I imagine who'd have a lot of, a lot to gain from this. So you're like executives, doctors, professionals, like that demographic, people with ambition, but stuck in those roles. And then a second group, I think that would really um, benefit from this are like wannabe entrepreneurs who are like weighing up options, like the different business ideas that they're interested in, but are being tempted by these smaller ideas that look easier at the surface. But again, harder is actually much easier to execute, much easier to get capital, much easier to attract talent, much easier to motivate yourself on a day-to-day basis as well. So I think those are the two people that really stand out to me or demographics. Well, all right. Well, Jonathan, we did it. Iconic reads. We'll see how this one does. And um, yeah, maybe we start doing this on a, on a monthly basis. It actually is a good forcing function for me to actually read and think, which I wish I had more time to do. There's a reason why we don't do iconic reads with books because we would never record a podcast. <laughs> um, well, awesome. Jonathan, thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jim. Appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, we have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies, nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money. But I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, 
If you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman.